Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Get it automatically, make it easy on yourself. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com for more information. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I want to take a moment up front to talk about a friend of the podcast doing something very cool. Amalita, who you may remember from episode 83, and her awesome performance at Philly Sketch Fest 2018, is jumpstarting an online seminar about musical comedy. She's presenting Songwriting as Sketch on Sunday, November 24th, And because it's the first time she's presenting the seminar virtually, she's offering a discount. For more information, go to myfirstsketch.com slash Amelita, A-M-E-L-I-T-A. And that will take you right to the Eventbrite page with all the information you'll need to know. But today's guest is Catherine Biskupic and Leah Fryers, the duo collectively known as Pure and Weary. Pure and Weary got their start in Chicago and has since moved to Los Angeles and have performed at Philly Sketch Fest twice. Their first sketch is called The Importance of Social Media, a parody of elements from The Importance of Being Earnest. The audio is taken from a live performance from 2014. You can picture them on their phones and carrying parasols. Let's go to the audio of that sketch. tells me we are going to be great friends. (laughs) How kind of you to say, Gwendolyn. And how nice of you to follow me on Twitter, after we've known each other such a comparatively short time. Do you mind me stocking all your previous posts, tweets, and photos? Not at all, Gwendolyn. I'm very fond of being looked at. (laughs) (laughs) Do make sure to like my Facebook competitive knitting page and follow me on at nittybitty on Instagram. (laughs) I have already. And I shall mention you and your page on my Facebook status, so that the world may know of our blossoming friendship. You are too kind. Nonsense, silly emoji. I shall (laughs) tag you in my daily grateful post and nominate you to do the same. I shall accept your nomination, and I shall describe you as amazing and awesome. You are too kind. Nonsense, silly emoji. My dear Cecily, I have just received a notification that you have commented on Mr. Ernest Worthington's most recent public Facebook invite. Oh yes, I shall be attending his Ebola fundraiser and have already added it to my Google Calendar. I know you have not had the proper amount of time to stock all my Facebook statuses, but had you used the appropriate investigative skills, you might have noticed that Mr. Ernest Worthington and I attended a zombie pub crawl together last month, and there is a rather attractive picture of the two of us accompanying the album event, which, I might add, received 67 likes. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't noticed stroke-faced emoji. (laughs) 
Well, then, perhaps you noticed that Mr. Ernest Worthington also commented on my most recent Facebook profile pic with a nice, with three extra eyes, emphasizing his clear regard for myself, dancing girl emoji. <laughs> I hardly understand what this has to do with me, Gwendolyn. Hashtag IDGAF. The fact that you do not understand has prompted me to change my Facebook status to feeling distrusting. Hashtag you know who you are. <laughs> the fact that you're feeling distrusting prompts me to point out that you only received two likes on that passive-aggressive status. <laughs> I shall no longer be favoriting your tweets, Cecily. I shall be removing all exclamation points from our correspondence, Gwendolyn. <laughs> I shall nominate you for an ISIS beheading. I shall infect you with Ebola. I shall invite you to play Candy Crush 122 times. I shall leak naked pictures on your Google Cloud. I shall unfollow you. I shall unfriend you. I shall block you. You are dead to me, Gwendolyn. You are actually dead, Cecily. <laughs> <laughs> what? You'll see. Bloody knife emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so here's the thing. If you have really good ears, you might notice that the sound changes slightly halfway through our chat. Funny story. Catherine and Leah decided to record from the lactation room at their work because the first room that we tried had an echo. And then a mother came in to actually use the lactation room. So Catherine and Leah had to move and the second room might have a bit of an echo that we tried to avoid in the beginning. But I caught out all the bits of the mother walking in and all the moving from one space to another. So here's my chat with Catherine and Leah. Hey, Leah. He, hey, Catherine. Hi. Hi, Josh. All right. So tell me where this sketch comes from. Tell me about uh, the importance of social media. Yes, I think, so She, Leah and I met in college and we did like a lot of um, classical yeah. theater kind of training. And High so language. I feel like, did we ever do this? Or- Not the two of us. I did. I was in the play separately, but yeah. And the, the importance of being earnest. I think in college I had to read for Cecily and then she was in it once as Gwendolyn. Mm-hmm. So we had thought of doing this parody because we liked that. And then just the idea of trying to top each other, but then putting it through the filter of social media. I think and, that, yeah. The, just the time period that we were in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now looking back on it, like some of those references are super outdated, even just like four years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Just, just so how quickly social media is moving. Like what app, what platform is like the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like my nephews my nephews are on TikTok. I have no clue what it is. Like oh, me neither. But like yeah. if we were make, to make that sketch today, we would have to use that reference. Like it would yeah. be more Instagram and like sliding into DMs and all that. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. We're pretty slow sometimes. Or I I'm very <laughs> slow. Uh so you mentioned meeting in college, uh, and being performers and actors there. So how let's how do you get into performing? Like what was your first step of doing performance yeah so we went to the university of wisconsin in madison and uh i'm trying to think of the first one because uh there was student performances that were outside of it but the first one we were in together was the the imaginary invalid um and so that was the first time we performed together but we met in a voice training class yeah yeah in the theater department Mm -hmm. Uh, i did i did some that were like off campus 
um, that weren't associated with the theater department. They were just tough to get into, but the one that we did together first was. Yeah. And I did, oh my gosh, I did a, um, Christian rock musical where I played the Virgin Mary. It's amazing because <laughs> all my side projects were at the Jewish theater projects. <laughs> all right, uh, we need to start. We need to put a pin and talk about this Christian rock musical. Yes, because I like I yes, absolutely. I'm, now I'm so curious. Um, what was it? Um, it was called the Garden. Okay. Yes, and I just remembered that I was the Virgin Mary. I got to sing with Eve. I got to sing with Jesus. I think at one point I was with Abraham. I don't know how that makes sense. But it was just funny because it was a great group of people. It was an interesting experience. But um, the next play show that I was in in college was Hair. (laughs) Pretty big flip. She's also the pure in Pure and Weary. You mentioned uh, meeting in a voice class. Like, how quickly did you hit it off? Yeah, yeah. We were actually both pretty shy. And I think Catherine was a year younger than everybody in the class. Um, But she was such an amazing performer that, like, she was very quiet. And then as soon as she would get up and perform monologues, people would be like, whoa, what? Who are you? (laughs) And I was pretty shy as well and, like, really wanted to make a friend. But I never went up and talked to her. And then she like left class for a while and we didn't know where she was. And her teacher let us know that Catherine was involved in a skiing accident and oh, no. memory <laughs> and was home like regaining her memory for a month. It's such a dramatic or- origin story. Uh, yeah, I went skiing. It was my first time skiing and I just like hit my head in a certain spot that I lost my short term memory for five hours. And then I couldn't remember anything from the past two months. So I, I went home for a month. And, um, yeah. So when I came back to class, we like beelined it for me. I was like, hi, I'm Leah. Let's be friends. <laughs> I didn't want to miss my chance this time. Yeah. So then we, and once we met, once we kind of clicked, then it, we were friends. Yeah. On. Yeah. I'm legitimately flabbergasted by that. Like <laughs> it's my favorite story to tell. Well, I'm Did, just glad you're after it. I, yeah. So after the accident, like, did you feel like a different person? Was it still like, oh, I still wanted to act. I still want to perform. Like, yeah, it wasn't anything like that. I just, it was the end of February and I couldn't remember anything since Christmas. And, um, what would happen is when I went home, I took a concussion impact test that they give a lot of football players and mm. I failed everything. And so then I would go home and I would try to do a paragraph of an essay I had for a class. And then um, I'd get it done and then I would just cry <laughs> for like an hour <laughs> because everything was kind of um, just out of sorts. So when I got one thing done, it would throw something else off. So it just t- took me a while to get back to like mentally and emotionally where I needed to be at. And the only thing you can't remember is that actual I, day. Yeah, now, right? I still don't remember that day. I don't remember skiing. Um, there's a girl I met that day through one of my friends and she came up to me, I guess, before I left and introduced herself. And then she brought me flowers <sighs> And I didn't know who this <laughs> woman was. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's very crazy. And I, I didn't lose consciousness. I just, it's somewhere that I hit and they said, everything's fine. It's, I went recently into an eye doctor and they said that I had scarring behind my retina and asked if I had had a head injury. And so I think that that's the only thing left. Wow. I don't have a very good memory sometimes and I blame it on that skiing answer, <laughs> but I really think I could be a little more. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now that you say that you don't have a great memory, like outside of this, uh, what would be your like earliest memory of comedy? Oh, um, 
I definitely, I had an older brother growing up, so he introduced me to a lot of his comedy. But what I remember a lot is that we had like a family video camera and my siblings and friends and I would watch Saturday Night Live all the time. And then we just like recreate those sketches and film them and like tweak them a bit and like make up our own commercials and stuff. So that was like really when I started to get into it, we were just like goofing around at home and like had a camera and we could watch ourselves and I was also a middle child, so I needed attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I didn't grow up on comedy. Like, I didn't watch SNL, and I, I just didn't think it was going to go the comedy route. I loved Shakespeare and um, just uh, different types of classics. But um, I think, like, the earliest, because I did play starting when I was four. Um, wow. So the one I remember where I had to, like, be goofy was I was the Velveteen Rabbit when I was 12. <laughs> and they like a brown fuzzy rabbit suit so they gave me a blue one so I wore this giant blue bunny costume and I just remember in the audition like looking under my foot and doing stuff like that and then getting laughs and being like oh I can I can do that right instant gratification I'm also a middle child so yeah (laughs) uh so yeah that like so playing the velveteen rabbit like clicked like oh it doesn't have to be serious like we can be fun and yeah stage Definitely. But then I did go into high school and play like more straight roles. I wasn't really sure. to Chicago and took started taking classes at Second City. I feel like I was very late to comedy. Um, and I realized like when you do comedy, um, you can kind of create your own role and make it stronger than a lot of the things I was going up for. For like the one woman in a play was often not written in a way that I connected to it. So finding comedy and realizing you can create that connection and you can write more depth than what's usually there. That was kind of what brought me to it. Yeah, I feel like that's a very recurring uh, sentiment whenever I talk to women. Yeah. <laughs> comedy is let's create our own fun. Let's like, because, you know, instead of doing the roles that are written for you and like have to be set as it is on page, very yeah. rote. And they like Let's sound just like babies. Do our own stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I was always like, oh, I, you know, had to pull, they had to rein me in all the time. And I was like, no, just let me be free. <laughs> so doing it ourselves, we get to like be as big as we want. And it's nice. Uh, so, Leah, you mentioned about um, recreating SNL sketches. Yeah. And Catherine, you being late to comedy, uh, I ask everybody, I'm always curious. Who is your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh, okay. It would be a tie for me between Anna Gasteyer and Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you must have loved those. Uh, oh, what was that sketch where they were like the Destiny's Child? Nice twin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine? Um, so normally I, I say not SNL, I say Carol Burnett because I loved like watching her older sketches and we we love her we both yes. love her very much yes but um if it's snl i love watching how people play off of each other so watching tina and amy yeah that totally. was uh okay so let's talk about carol Burnett because she's come up a couple times in the last couple of people i've talked to about like just because she was so different yeah than everything else that was what was on tv at that time i feel yeah yeah and just like uh, for that time period but then how some of those sketches hold up and just how big she was it wasn't mm. in a way I can do that because I, I felt like she was really different but it was in a way I was in awe of her of like how brave she was and how funny and how silly and um but then like you know reading her biography and stuff like that she still had like a lot of vulnerability to like her story with all of that but she pushed through it all mm-hmm. I, and we uh, we went and saw her then we did too, so that was good. doing what what'd she do yes. 
<laughs> you mostly just told stories about yeah. that. She was at the Chicago theater mm-hmm. just doing like, let me let me tell you about my life. That Maybe still we'll sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Carol Burnett, like, and I think she's so interesting to me because and I was just trying to look it up real quick, like to be sneaky, but <laughs> uh, she had a variety show. Yeah. And then a character spun off of it like 15 years later. Like, mm-hmm. like Mama's Family was from the Carol Burnett show and it was a, like a sitcom in the 80s. That's like, awesome. That's, and that's, that, that would never happen now. Or maybe it would actually. Because... Well, that's like what the SNL, you know, they make movies off of their spinoff characters, you know, like Wayne's World or mm-hmm. things like that. Like Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Um, superstar. Superstar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one I've never seen. Oh, it's, I mean. <laughs> but there are moments. We just saw Molly Shannon in, um, or recently, Wild yes. Nights of Emily. Oh, and it was so good. So oh, that's that uh, Dickinson one? Yes. Well worth the watch, for yeah. sure. Oh my gosh. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, how do you decide to start creating your own material as a duo? Oh. Well, we were both in Chicago doing comedy at different theaters. Catherine was at Second City in the conservatory program, and I was over at the Annoyance Theater. Okay, so you finished school in Madison, and yeah. you both moved to Chicago? Yeah, we moved separately at different right. times. Right, sure. So we were both doing theater, and we would just see each other just as friends. And we we talked about writing together every once in a while, yeah. but we, we just never did it, and we were both busy doing shows. But then... Um, we both had similar frustrations in the shows we we're in because we ended up performing more than writing. And then the performing wasn't for good writing sometimes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we both just hit kind of a point where we were like, I think we really need to take a break from these other shows and write our own thing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, um, the training in Chicago uh, between second city and, and the annoyance. I don't think I've talked to anyone that's really spent a lot of time at the annoyance yet. Yeah, they're very different. So there's the three major improv theaters in Chicago, Second City, The Annoyance, and IO. And people kind of put these um, labels on them that they're the head, the heart, and the X factor. Mm -hmm. Second City being the head, Mm -hmm. I believe. And it's like very structured and there's a certain way that they do things and it hasn't really changed in however many years Second City's been around. IO, the heart, they do a lot of Herald, which we didn't really... Mm-hmm. Um, learn a lot of that. We didn't take classes there a lot. But they're improv based and like focus on grounding into yourself. Mm-hmm. So. And then the annoyance is the X factor, which is like do whatever you want, put it up, and let's see what happens with it. And I really gravitated towards that. <laughs> and most people take the annoyance classes last. So a lot of people in my classes like had already been through all of the improv training at the other schools, and so that was really intimidating. But it was such. It was such a good um, environment for growth. Like they let students put up whatever they want on their stages, which was really nice for us because we did a lot of shows there. Um, But yeah, so like combining those two styles together, like I was like, let's do this. And she's like, yeah, for sure. And what's the structure of it? I'm like, no, get to know. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Uh, And then Catherine, as you went through the Second City program, like, what was that like for you? 
Um, well, I, I had not done much comedy, so it was um, a big challenge. Like I remember not speaking at all the first few classes um, and then just getting hooked. Uh, I, I loved the people I got to work with. I was with a class where everybody was very individually talented. So I remember them saying to us, like, you guys got to work together hmm. because um, there were just so many people who were very funny in totally different ways. So I remember that was a good growth experience in terms of collaboration. Um, but yeah, and then just to have that deadline every week of writing. And then I, I had done the first sketch I, cause it starts with improv. And then the first sketch I had to write, I did for like the Mary Scruggs works by women festival. And so that got me into writing more as well. And so I, um, she won that award <laughs> by the way, <laughs> well, a few people win it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, um, I would say the improv part still scares me and was like a good challenge, but the writing part, I just totally fell in love with. Yeah. Especially like, you know, for me too, I love hearing people laugh and improv is so scary for me in that respect, because I don't know if they're going to laugh or not, but with sketch, you can plan it and you can test it yeah. and you know if it's going to work or not, which was nice. We're both a little controlling in that say, respect. <laughs> that's why I love sketch too like yeah. like and it's weird because whenever there's a, a sketch and you think that this joke's gonna work but then it's actually the next line that gets left like whenever those kind of things happen I love that though always I throws love- me off and it's always confusing yeah. but it is great like it is funny and it's fun to do shows in different cities too because like different audiences respond to different things and yeah. some people find things funny others don't it's really interesting yeah absolutely I was gonna touch on that like you you spent a bunch of time in Chicago. Like you you started there. That's when you came to Philly Sketchfest a couple of years ago. You were still based in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now you've moved to LA. Like, have you noticed what what like what are the major differences between your two home bases that you've um, experienced? For sure. I would say LA is not as much of a live city. So when we put up a sketch show now, we focus on it as an industry showcase. We work with the Comedy Central stage. and um, Yeah, it's usually like a one-off. A one-off. And then we will do it in other places, but um, it's definitely in Chicago, we would do like six to eight week runs. And um, that's because the community, they just come out more. It's just easier. LA is so spread out that any um, time you want to hang out with people or go see a show, it is a task. (laughs) Yeah. So it makes sense. It's more focused on film and TV. And so the good thing is LA has more opportunities um, and more room for growth. Um, Chicago's much warmer, ironically, (laughs) (laughs) energetically. um, And so it's a great place to start and to hone in on all the things you want to work on. But But I will say that we have found, because we we made it our task to to find a community within LA. Um, we've been putting up these variety shows here so that we can meet other talent, which has been really great. Like we've met so many people and like go to their shows now and people are doing stuff. It's just not as many people go out to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what prompted the move to Los Angeles then? Um, we were doing this cycle of what we do a show in Chicago and then we'd go do comedy festivals at different places. Um, and we just kind of hit a point where we were like, well, what's the next step? Like, where's the growth? And so you have to either go to New York or LA. And we had been at the Dallas comedy festival and a manager who was the manager slash assistant at three arts, um, was there and she had approached us and we ended up talking with her over the next year about different ideas. And whenever we'd film a sketch, we'd send it her way. Mm-hmm. And she kind of encouraged us that really, uh, what are you guys doing in Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> she sent 
do anything for you there. Right. <laughs> so she um, was like a good motivator to get us out here. Yeah. And then when we were out here, she repped us. So that was great. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So then like outside of sketch comedy in Los Angeles, what are you doing? Uh, so we both had day jobs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Day jobs, but then we also, we both have flexible day jobs. So yes. we're able to take meetings. We get to pitch our shows. Mm-hmm. We do commercials. Leah does voiceover. And so it's right now kind of trying to build. We also, um, in this last year, started producing videos for different companies. So it's one we're working towards those, that contractual artist life. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we still do have the, the buffer of the day job yeah. as well. But then, like, outside of comedy, too, it's been fun to explore L.A. Like, yeah. Catherine's gotten really into hiking, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. You have to. I'm like, whoa, mountains. Yeah, there's, like, all these mountains, which are is amazing. We've just been in, like, these flatlands for our whole lives. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, it's just, there is a big Chicago community here, too, which is kind of cheating in a way. But it's also really nice just yeah. to, like, have a little slice of home and and be able to hang out with those people so that's been good yeah yeah i feel like i've noticed that with like stand-up comedians more like a lot of the one you know you start in chicago and then head west or east like that seems mm-hmm. to be a very recurring theme in a lot yeah. of stand-ups so because chicago is just a good comedy city to begin with so it is yeah and it's a good connection when people come out here and they're from chicago as well like, ah! yeah 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 <laughs> get to reference all our favorite places uh-huh. and they get it yeah you act like it's a small town somewhere that like no one knows about like oh we're all from the same place yay like this is from chicago <laughs> so um uh so let's talk about the writing process for you two like uh the the sketch that you know you that you brought forth as your first sketch is from 2014 according to the youtube page uh, so how does the the writer's room for Pure and Yuri work? Yeah, we it, uh, we have a Google Drive that's just about to be upgraded. It's exploding right <laughs> now. We'll yeah. our limit. <laughs> we have a to-do list with each of our projects, and we kind of just go with that. And for our shows, we start with a theme, and then we talk about what we want to do with that theme. The last show we did and the one we're taking to New York right now was this playlist theme. We were trying to figure out when we came up with that theme, the last time we got into a conversation where we lost track of time. And Leah reminded me of this night we were with a bunch of musicians and we just started talking about songs that um, just bring you right back to that moment or albums that mean so much to you. Yeah. So then once we pick the theme, we'll, we'll think about sketches that we would want to do. We'll both write drafts of them and just like bring them in. And then we'll either go through them and punch them up there. Or we'll say, you know what, you need to take this sketch for a while. I'm sick of working on it. Like you, you punch it up, you fix it. Um, generally mine always need a lot of structure. <laughs> <laughs> mine need to, I'm like, just make it funny. Yeah. Like, Sometimes we'll just like leave blanks where the other person is just meant to write in their own yeah. line. Yeah, and we work with directors. So every sketch show we work, we've worked with a different director every single time because we just like meeting different people and working with different people and getting their styles. Yeah. So the, this last show, um, our director is Rebecca Sohn, and she's out of Chicago. She moved here a few years ago, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was really great because um, we like having a runner, and she's the one that picked. We were pitching ideas. We come in and just pitch a bunch in the beginning. And she said, Leah has this fear of she's gonna die listening to a really embarrassing song and so uh 
our director latched onto that and was like, that's kind of your runner of like death showing up. And then what is on your, what is in the your perfect head? song to die to? Yeah. How, <laughs> how do you pick that? And so uh, that became kind of the runner throughout it to tie it all together. She's also a really great actress and performer. So she gave us lots and lots of acting notes, which we haven't gotten a lot because Mm -hmm. most of our directors have been um, writers first. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really nice to work with her too. She gives us great acting notes and it's just like brought a whole new level to the show and the performances, which is great. Yeah. Everybody's always told us to slow down, but she was really good about getting us to listen. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Uh, So working with different directors like that like the various viewpoints like how has that shaped your work over the time uh i think it makes us focus on collaboration because we can and i think any artist can kind of get in their own head of like all right well i feel this i've experienced this this is what i want to say but directors are great because they're like okay nobody's gonna get it like not everybody's you and so how do you translate something to make it um, so that p- more people can connect with what you're trying to say? And that's the best thing directors do for us. I would yeah. say. You've traveled all over. Like I, I know you've run the festival circuit like extensively in the years that you've been together. Have you had a favorite city to perform in? Oh, I mean, it's so hard, but like, to be honest. Or maybe even a surprising city like that you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah. I think Philly too. Philly was so we fun. We went back oh twice. God. Yeah. The ones that we go back a second time. Are yeah. Like, Which was Dallas. And and that's because like, you know, the festival itself has such a good community feel. Like we met so many people in Philly. We met so many people in Dallas. Like that's what we, you know, latch on to. Like we get to go see shows. We meet those performers. Some of the other festivals that we've gone to, you know, are like so popular and sold out that like we can't see shows or like they're so spread out over the city that there isn't really that like community feel that comes with festivals, which is why we love going too. we love meeting people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, um, in Philly, well, we had already met Barbara Bush, but then they were already there. And then I remember Brian Kelly, he was so yes. nice. Oh my gosh. And so it was great to return to that. And then for us now we live in LA and it's like, uh, we've created a community, but it is, it's very hard and it can be isolating. It's just giant. So then to still get to go to these smaller communities of people who just love comedy, it's so refreshing to us. Yeah. And now that we're on the West coast, we've been hitting up the West coast festivals, which has been cool too. Like when we were in Chicago, we didn't try to do Portland or Seattle because it's just so, so far, but now yeah, quick trip. (laughs) Yeah. You just did Portland or Portland. yeah. Yeah. We just did Portland in July. Yeah. Okay. Because when I try to schedule these out, like schedule episodes, I'm always going through like festival by festival, like year by year. And like seeing seeing that you were on the list for Portland. Oh, that's awesome. Yay, Portland. Like, but that was really the the comedy scene in like California, in L.A., like it feels like I I had mentioned before um, that my only real like knowledge of live comedy in la was the groundlings and then like ucb eventually like went that way like and now i'm not i'm learning that there are like small theaters that are popping up and like doing little things but it's still like a monster mm-hmm. town like i went out there to visit for a friend's uh wedding and like it everything just felt weird to me like yeah from being from philadelphia like and eventually i did go to a groundling show and wandered around and like i was just like this nothing about like this feels familiar but not at all like what I hear a lot we haven't actually taken any classes out here just because 
you know, money and timing and like, we're already doing our own thing. So it feels hard to do, but a lot of, um, friends that we know take these classes and it's full of like a lot of people that just need a resume booster or like just need to take an improv class because their agent told them to, and they're like not really invested in the craft of comedy. So I think that that happens a lot that when you're going to these shows and stuff, people are just there, like it's all performers there that are going to see, um, so I think that makes it a little weird as well. Um, but then those little theaters that you were talking about pop up and those are full of like the people that are really committed to comedy and like love performing and love writing and like the pack theater. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it's <clears throat> such a big, as it is even in Chicago and definitely New York, um, you just find your people. So even this week we did a show at this tiny space called the clubhouse mm. and that is putting up shows every night, multiple nights a week. And so you have that, you have the pack, which is um, also a, a great space for just like testing things out. And so I feel like you can, the, the UCB, cause we test our sketches at UCB. They mm-hmm. have a great sketch night as well. There's just so much. I there would say. is. Yeah. So you just have to find the ones that click for you and the people. Yeah. And you know, with LA being like the industry town in the country and like all of entertainment basically, going that way for the, well, not all but a good chunk of it like um how receptive are crowds to live performance um like well well i think the crowds are still yeah they're still yeah. great um you I, know because because they don't go out a lot to see live stuff when they do it's like an event it's a whole yeah. to do so they want to enjoy it they want to laugh they want to be entertained I think the only ones that are hard, but I think this would be in any city, is sometimes those test nights where you're testing your sketch or if you're testing your stand-up or whatever, sometimes the whole crowd is performers. Yeah. And that's like the hardest that's crowd. Yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's anywhere. Uh, so you mentioned uh, working with different directors for every show, every run that you have done. So I'm curious, uh, what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would share with someone that's relatively new to writing their own material? Mine would be editing. Yeah, <laughs> I love definitely. I love getting notes and editing. And, and that's what's good editing. about a director too. Yeah. Is like they've killed a lot of our babies that we have clung on to and they're just like, listen, you yeah. got to get rid of it. You got it. <laughs> and there's this like cycle when you're writing where you get an idea and you're like, oh my God, this is so brilliant. And you write it and you're so excited. And then you either look at it again or somebody else does and you're like, oh shit. And yeah. then you kind of do it again and again and you feel bad about it, but then you kind of do a few more edits and then you get it back to a place. And so I remember initially whenever we'd write a show and this still happens, I, we get to a point in the run where I'm like, this is all terrible and I don't even know what we're doing and why do we even do this? Is this even funny? <laughs> but now when it happens because we've been doing this for a while. I'm like, hey, I'm at that point where I freak out, but like at least I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would say like along with that collaboration, we learned a lot about um, like, you know, being with other performers and just being able to work with them and hearing other people's ideas and everything because it can get really isolating if you're just working on your own stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So when we're able to like put on these variety shows or like recently we did a show – Catherine was just saying at the clubhouse and we wrote a sketch like with another friend. So she was in it as well. And we haven't done that in years, years, years. He just came to us and was like, can I do something with you guys? And it was great. Yeah. So it was super fun. So I think, and and that helps build the community as well. And then you're less lonely. Yeah. I I forgot to ask this earlier because I'm always, I'm, you know, just as curious about this too. Uh, You both have been performers and, you know, college theater and Catherine, you said, acting since four years old do you have a favorite role from your time like from your younger days of performing I 
<laughs> this is like a sore subject in our friendship. The two things are like, I never read Harry Potter, which is really bad for Leah. And I never she... have either, so it's fine. Oh, yikes. It's okay. Um, I read the first one for her birthday last year, but um, <laughs> she hates uh, Beauty and the Beast, and that was my favorite Disney princess. And so in high school, I got to play Belle, and I was very excited. Um, we just went to see a friend in it recently, and mm-hmm. she just kept whispering to me Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really like bestiality. You just, yeah. the list- I was about to ask, why do you hate Beauty and the Beast so much? But that is a very <laughs> real and very good point. Yeah. We made the live action version. I was just like, you can just see it way more. Like. <laughs> has the comedy elements but the live action there's no there's nothing funny about that <laughs> like if i'm grow up on disney princesses sure, 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 sure. she read she didn't just pick a guy for his looks it's fair, you know it's fine <laughs> maybe she was in the hairy guys anyway <laughs> anyway i was very excited when that happened in high school yeah i in high school i got to play yenta in fiddler on the roof and i what they call is suicided for the role which means that i said i will only be this role or i'm not going to be in the show at all and I've never done that before because I was never in any other high school shows. But I was like, I will be Yenta. <laughs> and I got it. And it was amazing. And I had braces, but I had like old lady makeup on. <laughs> and I won an award for it. was just a great show. <laughs> I had never heard that phrase before. And I love it. Like, because I, I'm not an actor at all. But there's certain things I would love to do. There's certain roles I would love to be. Like, yeah. like um, yeah. one of the things, like, I, I don't think I can sing well like i'm not trained or anything i'm sure i like if someone like took if i took time like i could learn to carry a tune a little bit but like vice principal ponch in putnam county spelling bee feels like i can do that like that feels like something i can handle yeah yes but yes and only had like one line of singing so i was like saved (laughs) (laughs) and then is there a role that you want to do that or that you know a dream role like a bucket list role that you would love i mean we both still love musicals and like theater so for me it would be mrs lovett from oh my god i would love that part that'd be so great so good right yes <laughs> gosh uh oh i love shakespeare and i loved beatrice mm. in much ado about nothing she was always my favorite because she has this great speech where she's like oh that i were a man yes. <laughs> It's really good. So I would do that one probably. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Well, comedy would be uh it would be much to do about nothing. Mm-hmm. Um some of the I love Othello. I love Othello too because you cannot figure out like Iago, mm-hmm. you're like you can always figure out why someone's evil. Yeah. But that's what's so great about his writing is there's like no reason. Um but you know, sometimes like does them on the good. But oh, but um, is it Amelia? Uh-huh. Yeah, she has that amazing speech. It it would be really hard for me to pick. I love a lot of this. I love um, Merchant of Venice. I love the quality of Mercy speech. Um, I love. We just saw Measure for Measure, and that was interesting to see, like modern, because it's about not believing a woman, mm. and, and which is still so relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I should stop. <laughs> oh, no. But like. I, I'm always curious. I remember reading Merchant Venice, Venice in college, and even now, like, can we do that now? Like, no. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's that's going to be on a list of uh. Eh. I know it might. <laughs> because there's there's certain parts that I like I didn't understand because I just I'm aligned to it. But like the whole like pound of flesh and he wanted the heart. Like, good lord! Like, yipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Shakespeare, man. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, 
in high school I latched on to King Lear and that was my big thing yes. of the Shakespeare things. And you know, we read Romeo and Juliet and a couple other ones, but like for whatever reason, King Lear, maybe because we shot we saw a cool performance like for, oh, from yeah. the seventies on tape, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. James Earl Jones is a pretty good King Lear. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh and then like as we're wrapping up here, I always ask, and you know, you mentioned loving theater still and loving musicals and performing and all that but like why has comedy been such a huge part of your life the last couple of years i think a big thing for me is that we've been able to take it and like do it on our own which i think is rare for you know like when you're in plays and stuff there's a director and those are the lines that you have to say and you have to say it like we were kind of talking about before but this like we've been to, able to create our own brand our own style like we do what we love to do like mm-hmm. what we want to be doing and there's so much freedom in that so I, and you know audiences enjoy it and what we love to do too is like kind of try to do things with a point so but in a way that you know it's through the filter of comedy so people are learning something but they don't really know that they're learning it because they're laughing and then they go home and they're like wait did I just learn something <laughs> that's that's the ultimate goal is like you know, we want to be able to think about these things, but like, yes, we can laugh about some stuff. And so, you know. Yeah. I think for me, since I came to it so late and I'm still like, you know, imposter syndrome of like, what, how, how can I be in comedy? But at least I work with the funniest person. But um, mostly I think I love writing, but we have to laugh. Like life is so hard. So if you can laugh every once in a while, then that makes it, that's why I want to stay in comedy is because it's this combination of thinking and writing and performing and collaborating, but also you get to laugh on top of all of that. And I think that makes it worth it. And then I think it's it's so fun. (laughs) And we both feel very lucky that we um, just found each other as collaborators because it just clicks. And um, I have so much respect for people who are doing it by themselves because I do not know how you do it. No idea. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you yeah, so much, Josh. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. A bit of correction. It was not 15 years between the end of the Carol Burnett show and the beginning of the Mama's Family. A little closer to about eight, but Pure and Weary are coming east to perform Pure and Weary's comedy playlist at the people's improv theater in new york city on friday november 8th at 7 p.m on the striker stage for tickets and more information head to the pit nyc.com you can follow pure and weary all over social media at pure and weary and keep up to date at pureandweary.com. my first sketch is a philly sketchfest production you can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Iam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.